Welcome everybody to the third episode of and penultimate episode third and twenty eighteen penultimate episode of twenty eighteen, the Connor and Charlie podcast. Uh, what we see a year in review. Yeah, so this is our year in review. We don't have anyone actually lined up for today's podcast in terms of a special guest. We had a last minute. Uh, withdrawal but we couldn't get the budget to get any uh, special <laughs> guests on unfortunately but yeah no we we will have someone uh, someone very interesting before the year end so we just thought we'd go ahead and record our own conversation around 2018 what we've learned so far what we've seen in work in life and yeah just give you guys, our listeners, a bit of more of a view into how our day-to-day has been, how our last few months have been, and hopefully find some part of it interesting, relatable, funny, whatever. So we've uh, sort of written down a few topics we want to discuss. We are currently sitting here in central London, in, in where would you say, it's Southwark? Southwark, next to the river, overlooking... The Shard. Well, the Shard's in the background. Connor's got a view of the Shard. I've got a view of Connor and a white door, uh, which is <laughs> thrilling. We are in a, a, a meeting room, and this is the SAP Field Glass Room, so I won't bore the listeners with what Field Glass <laughs> actually is. in ter- <laughs> because it's, it's one of SAP's many products. Uh, one of the boring ones, according to Connor, though, obviously. No, it's one of the interest. It's the cloud product it's in this the the cloud suite of products that uh, SAP acquired I don't know when they acquired it do you know when they acquired it uh, it would have been after 2011 mm. well it's in the it's the coolest office we have anyway yeah probably in, what the eighth floor here it's lovely view nice modern office that's no, nice we are in beside a another meeting room that's has a loud conversation going on so apologies if there's a any Q4 conversation it sounds like it sounds like yeah Things are getting a bit heated in there, so every now and again we hear a few shouts, but hopefully the noise isn't coming through on the mic. I suspect it probably is, but we'll probably do something. You'll probably do something in the post-production, Charlie, to take the sound, that background noise out. That's what I'm hearing, that's what I'm hearing. (laughs) Guests and post-production. Okay, so probably last time we had uh, our previous episode on, we had Darren Edgar. Before that, we had Graham Woolley. Now we have no one. Uh, so can only go up from here. Can only go. <laughs> we have no one today. But do you want to give us any feedback in terms of last episode with Darren? Because when we had Darren in, we reflected on the podcast with Graham and the feedback we got from that. So probably not. We do the same from the Darren episode. So. The Darren episode was an interesting episode. She's a woman with a very, very impressive CV. Um, she's had a career all over the world, specialising in oil and gas. Uh, has been in and around the SAP ecosystem from you know the nineteen nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a really interesting and eye opening conversation um, with someone that I do work with quite a lot. Um, but obviously, getting to see another side of them, hear some of the war stories, mm-hmm. uh, hear how they started their career, the, you, know, you know, the learnings, the failures, how they've developed. Um, you know, so for me, it was a really, really good conversation. We got a lot of traction with our 
with our listeners on a global basis. Mm. Um, I think we're, we're nearly hitting treble figures. What, and adding all three together, including this one? <laughs> no, in terms of listens. Oh, yeah. okay. But maybe that's an accumulative listening. I've only listened 20 times, so. <laughs> what was your thought? Well, I thought, no, I completely agree with everything you said. Now, Darren was, I was blown away by her wisdom. That's why I think I called it topic wisdom. Because everything she said was like so succinct, clear, insightful, and just made a lot of sense. A bit, bit like the stuff that we talk about. Yeah, just like <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, not really, though. No, I think <laughs> the uh, the main thing that I liked from that episode was the fact that people outside of our world, you know, a number of my friends are starting to listen to it now. You know, solicitors, uh, people in finance, and it was girls saying to me, give me the feedback that Jesus, yeah, Darren was amazing, really related to the stuff she was talking about, even though they work in a totally different industry in a totally yeah. different role. But she, just as a woman in business in commerce, I think she was. You know, a oh, I think speaker. I think obviously that, but I also think one of the other key topics was the why before the what, and I think that's cross industry cross job yeah. relatable um, and, you know it's definitely something that I've been thinking about more since that conversation mm-hmm. yeah understanding the why it's a tough one it is it's a tough one but yeah that was a Darren episode it's up there on all the podcast platforms that we've spoken about to you guys yeah, so where is our podcast available Charlie for our listeners how have we made it easy for them to access this Seven ninety nine a month. <laughs> Bill directly to either one of us. No. What, where can you download it? Lemur. What is Lemur? If you were to describe Lemur to your grandmother yeah. or your parents, how would you describe it? Or even to your girlfriend? Well, if you break down the name of it, it's less is more. Oh. Oh, he's been listening. Um, so... Uh, I think we we now live in a in a day and age where social media a picture tells a thousand words, but then words aren't spoken. People just speak on text and WhatsApp, and they post on these images. So this is really I don't know um, twisting that on its head. It's mm. getting people to start a conversation, but actually have a conversation. So. Yeah. Someone will post something and then you can go and you can put up a, a voice note and then people start having a conversation with each mm. other. Um, and, you know, we've got a, uh, a very loyal, trustworthy listener, Paul O'Mahony, um, who tunes in, he speaks to us, we speak back to him, have a conversation. And it's just a very different way with engaging with people mm. in this day and age, moving away from, you know, just posting on, on social media. Posting selfies of you in your speedos on the beach <laughs> no one wants to see that <laughs> it is different and it it's definitely challenging the status quo and that's I think what we're all about here as well yeah and uh, disrupt uh, disrupting disrupt or be disrupted and yeah so we've chosen Lemur as the premier platform to is there a reason behind that decision Connor? Yeah, for the reasons I've said, because it aligns with our values and our agenda in here is to disrupt the status quo. And also the fact that I know the founder and CEO of the platform, Shane Monham, who I played rugby with back in the day. The conspiracy. 
all about the conspiracy. So, Lemur, we've mentioned. And Richard, I'd, you played Rock before? Back I'd, in the day? I'd advise everyone to who hasn't downloaded the app to download the app and just give it a give it a try. It's uh, it's a it's a really interesting one because if you're used to social media, which I'm sure you are, it's definitely flipped it on its head. I think. So, Lemur Premier set destination for getting the podcast second one is the itunes apple podcast platform and thirdly spotify i think they're the most common ones easily accessed search for what we see you'll see a picture of a dodgy door and i think my name's on the underlined uh, the title that's where you can find the podcast this is the third episode this is our year in review so why have we chosen to do this, Charlie? Well, I think obviously we're we're now at the end of twenty eighteen. I mean, we've got less than well, probably about ten working days left until mm. the end of the year. Uh, although I'm sure for our colleagues at SAP, it's going to feel more like fourteen working days mm. with Christmas Day and uh, the weekends. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think it's just a good time to reflect on the learnings, the conversations, the discussions, you know, both personal and in work um, that we've had over the year. And I, you know, I think that's what what I think my friends want to be listening to. Um, sure. So let's start off with, let's avoid the, the work stuff. Let's talk about some of the life stuff. First topic that's jumping at, at me there. It's common across both our uh, charts. Hair loss. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Male pattern baldness. baldness. <laughs> a topic close to both Charlie and my hearts. Uh, I'm in my 30s. Charlie's still in his 20s. So. <laughs> but uh, how do you feel, Charlie? What, what does well, losing I, your hair mean to you? Or how does it affect you? Well, firstly, my boss always just stares at my forehead whenever I have a conversation with him. Rather than making eye contact, it's... Just solid forehead staring, um, which is uh, quite upsetting. Um, mm. But you know, <laughs> unfortunately, it's something that I've known was going to be coming at me for quite a long period of time. I think when my mum first said to me when I was about twelve, "By the way, you're going to have the same hair as my dad," and I saw a picture of him, and he literally had no hair. <laughs> so um, your granddad? Yeah, my granddad. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I knew it was coming. They say it's on your mother's side, the gene passes down and like that my granddad is completely bald as well on my mother's side so if there's any truth behind the urban myth or whatever you call it that male baldness passes down through your mother's side when did you start to I would get say, a bit thin on top I'd say I remember like studying for leave insert or which is A levels Oh, bloody hell, so quite a while then. <laughs> well, when was that? 2004? I remember just be like, head down, have my hands in my hair, and then all of a sudden, hairs would be falling out onto the paper. So like you're molting? Like I was molting, yeah. I was like, what's going on there? Uh, so, I think that's probably when I first noticed, yeah. yeah. And then, just over the years, went, because around that time, that's when the whole long haired phase was in yep emo With, phase no I was never an emo you were I was not a, I was a a goth a jock a jock mm. 
<laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> if there were, yeah, whatever that look is, but. Well, don't I describe what that look was to you? The joke? Yeah, well, I don't know what it meant, what it looked like, but. <laughs> for me, it involved longish hair. Maybe that was me in denial to saying, oh, I can grow long hair, even though it's. When, when was. Cause it, cause rapidly. I'm, I'm going through that, through that period now where I'm, I'm not ready to accept it. Yeah. Which means I try and hide it, which makes it inevitably more obvious. <laughs> when when was that when was that breaking point for you? What do you mean the breaking point? When did I embrace it? Yeah. Embrace the shave. Um do, 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 do. I sh I think I've had short hair probably I probably shaved it in about 2012 just because I wanted to see what it was like tested out dummy yeah. run before yeah. and then I haven't shaved it off fully since but close enough close so enough. that was probably eight, eight years six years ago when I shaved it off first because for me it's become a almost sacrilegious experience in getting my hair cut <laughs> so <laughs> I, I've, I've got to go to my barber's that's been cutting my hair since I was four in Fleet called Sue. Yeah. So, you know, I was telling you a week ago I, I, I had to travel out of London, spend the <laughs> night at my parents' house, go and meet Sue at eleven in the morning and I remember her saying, Oh bloody hell this isn't looking good, is it? Well why is it a thing for you're what, 25? 20, 24. 24. Made, made me feel worse about it now. But twenty four you're, you're why is the fact that you're losing your hair an issue for you? You know, that's it's a common male genetic hormonal thing or something. I, 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 it's just turning to embarrassing bodies now. It, no, it, but <laughs> is it the fact that it, it you, you feel older than you are? It makes you feel older than you are? or Probably, uh, yeah. So you don't want to grow up? Yeah, I want to be like Peter Pan. Doesn't work like that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm realising that. Charlie's leaning away from the mic all the time, so apologies if the sound is dipping. Lean in, Charlie. Yeah, you know, I, I think if you, if you look across society, yeah, you know, I think for men, that's probably one of the things that makes quite a few men conscious about their looks. Look at. Some of the most successful people in the world. Yeah. Bald men. Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos. CEO of Amazon. Yeah, he loves it. Jason Statham. Carl <laughs> <laughs> Pilkington. Carl Pilkington. <laughs> Donald Trump. My my uh, my uncle actually said, Are you trying to pull the Trump comb over at a recent family meal? <laughs> <laughs> like the blow dry from the back. Well, um, no, back. I, I, I had a, I hadn't been to see Sue in uh, in quite a while, so my fringe had grown quite long, and there was a sudden gust of wind, <laughs> which caught me and my fringe off guard, and up yeah. it swept. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think once you look, you get over it. I think once or, you get or toupee, <laughs> touche, toupee. Yeah, you wouldn't get a toupee. No, I would never do that. Would I? <laughs> would you? It to is. No, they never look good. I feel like this has become a uh, almost personal counselling session now. A year in review. 
Charlie, you're bald, accept it and get on with it. <laughs> you're a 24 year old bald man, get over it, move on with your life. Ladies, I am taken as well, so don't get too excited about that description. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, Zinedine Zidane. Yeah. Massively successful footballer, manager. Chris Jobson. Women love him. Chris Jobson, that's your dad. Sales shark, extraordinaire. As we've heard, many's time. <laughs> okay, so look, we won't dwell on our physical appearance anymore because that's probably quite boring for our listeners, but maybe some of our male listeners appreciated the fact that we're putting it out. We're speaking about these things. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's so good to speak about <laughs> these things these days. The stigma around hair loss has been removed. Ripe. Yeah. Where we go next, Charlie? Do we want to go work or do we want to go personal? Uh, you know, I think I want to go, I want to stick on personal for a bit. Go for it. So, you know, you've had a pretty monumental, life-changing, I guess, experience earlier in this year. Go on. Moving to London from your hometown, your beloved Dublin. Yeah. How have you found that? Great. Uh, do you want to give a bit of background? Bit of background. So... Got married last August. Congratulations. Was working for SAP in Dublin at the time. Got married in August 2017. All was going well. Had a house in the north side of Dublin, the suburbs. And yeah, wife was working as well. And things were going all handy enjoying the first year of married life and then an opportunity came up as you know uh, Mark Dando our boss contacted me and said would you be interested in coming over to London I said oh Jesus yeah uh, why not we had both discussed Beth and I discussed before we settled down properly that we'd like to do some move abroad live abroad do something abroad before we actually settle down fully so you thought the 45 minute flight over the Irish Sea was abroad well it is abroad it is abroad this is a different country it is and it is a change it's a big change but it's a good change and I'm delighted we did it it's been exciting sitting here looking out at the shard uh, behind Charlie's head in the centre of London and I'm delighted that I'm getting to experience another city another way of life with people who I wouldn't have met otherwise so have you had to characterise Irish and more specifically Dublin culture mm. in a sentence Yeah. what is that and then how would you say that for London as well uh, I was thinking about that the other day in in London I still feel like a tourist like that or an alien like in Dublin I'd walk around Dublin feeling like this is my city this I know I know, it. I know exactly I know all the streets I know all the bridges I know all the shops and pubs and everything that every corner whereas here I don't know where anything is I know the few landmarks but and so you're less confident in the city you're sort of 
strolling around, looking around who's there, what's there, sort of a bit more sketchy, but so you're more anonymous, I feel like. And Dublin's a lot smaller as well. Dublin's what a million and a half people here, seven, seven or eight, eight million here. Yeah. See, so you, invariably when you walk around Dublin, you'll bump into somebody you know, and oh, how are you? What's the story? How as things? That could happen two or three times in a day, in an afternoon. Whereas in London, I haven't bumped bumped into anyone randomly yet. Apart from celebrities. Apart from a few celebrities, yeah. yeah. Such as Jimmy Carr. Yeah. Andrew Garfield. Yep. A.K.A. Spider Man, and most recently, um, Hobbit guy, Lord of the Rings, um, uh, Samwise Gamgee. Samwise Gamgee. There you go. Yeah. Three celebs. So you know, I, I I've been speaking to my girlfriend about moving abroad. Mm. Always wanted to go and work in San Francisco, Chicago, or mm. Sydney, or, or just something like that. And you mentioned not feeling at home, feeling like a tourist. Mm. Why do you think you still feel like a tourist? Because you've been there for for six months. You know what? What are you doing to try and make this home? Yeah, I suppose I don't really know what to do, what practical steps to make it feel like home. Like where we live is a nice neighbourhoody feel. Yeah, has that sort of neighbourhoody feel. You know, little small local shops, cafes. So that sort of feels like our community, local community, but. I suppose I haven't joined a rugby club. Not I played the last year before I moved over. But other than work and my core group of friends that I have outside work, I don't have a lot else going on outside in life. You know, which is refreshing in a way. Like none of my family are here really. I've cousins uh, dispersed around the place, but my immediate family they're not here it's me Beth and my core group of friends of which I'm very lucky to have because some of my very close friends are are in London but other than that there's nothing really else here do you know I'm not there's I don't relate like my university isn't here I've no club as I said I've no uh, you know you've always been big into rugby and sports yeah. you know ex under 18 Irish rugby player you know that that would be something you could look at doing joining a club yeah I could but then be like what, what am I sacrificing what else am I sacrificing from experiencing or doing because rugby takes up a lot of time you know yeah That's I know um, you're pointing at me there like oh, I no, I'm, just, I'm just thinking just you know one of the other topics that we were wanting to discuss was around you know resolutions and routine mm. and you know I think that feeds quite well into the year in review mm. and looking forward what we want to be doing differently next year in terms of our own routines maybe for you you know making London more of a home hey yeah cool you're right no sh- that should be more of a thing I like, put there's a lot more to to do in London and we definitely do more things like midweek or better book tickets to go see something in a bookshop, a book launch or something, or an author oh, speaking yeah. or a... That does sound exciting. <laughs> I've been to one. One. We're doing this podcast. That's a new thing. It is. But I, yeah. I, I, I also think when you've got 
there's so many things you can go and do it's almost overwhelming yeah so you inevitably end up doing less sometimes yeah there's probably a bit of that so you, you need to make a conscious effort to get out plan and book something and go to it yeah to make and then but I don't think London is London ever a place where you feel like it's your home you know it's so big it's so big it's you know it's so diverse if you yeah. go to different boroughs different areas you know it's almost like being in completely different countries yeah so I think you could you could establish your own community and network yeah. within London which would be the equivalent to my network in Dublin and my community in Dublin but I don't know would you ever walk I'll never, I don't think I'll, I'll ever feel like a Londoner in the way I feel like I'm a Dubliner. I don't know, how long have you been here? Two years, three years? Well, you know, I've, I've, I, I grew up in Fleet, which is 45 minutes south of London yeah. to get into Waterloo. Um, you know, most of my childhood, you know, going up till when I was 18, when I went to university in Durham, I didn't really spend much time in big cities. I'd go to Reading and Basingstoke with my mates. Yeah. So I've only really been in London for 18 months now but because of a rather vulture like estate agent ends up living in Wandsworth town you know which isn't central London so you know yeah. again I wouldn't say that this is this is home for me yet mm. or will ever be like do you know any Londoners like who who, no. who identifies as a Londoner in your circle well I, Again, I think I think people identify with different areas of London. I don't think yeah. in my friendship group people are like I am a Londoner. I think people say you know I'm from London, but they'll identify with their zone or you know their mm. borough, Ealing, you know Richmond, yeah, more closely than London. I think yeah, I'd almost say it's almost hard to define what a Londoner is. Mm -hmm. I the one person that jumps to mind who I think is one of our former colleagues Sarah Morgan oh yeah she yeah she's a Londoner she's yeah she's a Londoner lived in central London didn't she yeah she did and you know felt I always felt like there, she's real she urban. knew everywhere yeah yeah all the little spots yeah yeah so other than that though I don't know but would you say that you're a Dubliner yeah how would you define a Dubliner? Walking around, knowing people, bumping into people. Uh, yeah, jeez, I wouldn't say I'm not the king of Dublin. You said that a few times, but okay. <laughs> but even yesterday, uh, met. Remember the guy we're chatting to on the bus, the Irish guy. Yeah. I met him <laughs> in the gym in the office in the morning, and he, that's Mick, and he goes, oh. Whereabouts in Dublin are you from? But that, that was his first words to me. He, he, well, never because of the accent. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So quite cool. That makes that was proof that I'm a Dubliner. I like that. I like that. There's only probably three accents in Dublin: a north side accent, a south side accent. And a neutral accent. What would you say my accent is? It's baffled me for years because I sound completely different to my family. <laughs> you, I, I, you sound like a Londoner. Maybe I am a Londoner then. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, that's like, 
what are the criteria to be a what's the criteria to be a Londoner? Do you have to sound like one, look like one, dress like one, act like one? I think sounding like one's enough. Do you? Yeah. Well, I think that's the nice thing about a big city like London. I think is the diversity means that a Londoner means lots of different things to lots of different people. Mm. True. So yeah. Uh, routine I think resolutions what about them I remember and I can't believe how quick this time has gone this time last year saying right you know my resolution for 2018 is I want to read a book a month take notes learn from that book yeah and I've looked back at how many books I've read this year and it's definitely not 12 how many Uh, a a lot less three Um, Probably about three, but you know they've been good books, and you know I've I've got quite into Audible recently, which you know, yeah, is good. But for me, I don't take in as much information mm. as I want to take in. Um, resolutions, everyone has them, no one keeps them. It feels like it's very hard to maintain a strict resolution for an entire year. Though. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. What was your 2017-18 resolutions? I cannot remember. I've honestly no idea. I remember where I was for New Year's, up in Belfast, my mate's house, but I have no idea what I said my resolution was going to be. And for 2019? I'm wild to think about it. 20, what do we have? It's 13th, yeah, it's 18 days left, 17 days to think about that. You? Do you have any idea? Yeah, so I've got a sister who's become part of the vegan movement, we'll say. Oh, God. Um, so You're not going vegan, are you? No, 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 no. Um, but I, I, I was, I was realising the other day that, you know, some days I eat meat three meals a day, and that's a lot of meat. As in what? Breakfast, bacon? Breakfast, bacon, maybe salmon. Um, normally when I'm at home because salmon salmon for breakfast can't afford salmon on my budget at the moment <laughs> um, then obviously over a SAP chicken beef whatever and then yeah. dinner my housemate loves cooking jerk pork or some sort of curry um, so I think for me one of them is just two meat free days a week and what is that for health reasons or for ethical reasons Probably a bit of both, to be honest, but subconsciously a bit of both. Like, I'm doing it because I want to. For me, it's pushing myself to eat less meat mm. and have days when I don't eat meat because I just eat meat the whole time at the moment. Mm. Um, so it's probably sub subconsciously, probably a bit of health and probably a bit of. But why, why do you think eating that much meat is bad for you? I don't necessarily think it's bad for you, but I mean, like, meat. If you're eating beef every day, beef's quite a fatty meat something wrong with fatty meats well you know one of my other resolutions last year was to lose weight and I've put on weight so <laughs> <laughs> but you were you were going to the gym consistently when I came over first well I'm still going to the gym but I'm also eating more meat <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you'll put on a lot of weight by if just eating meat but that's those high protein diets are what they say will yeah I know but you're making it sound like I'm having the diet of an athlete that's trying to bulk and eat protein and oh. get muscle bound it's 
quite the opposite. <laughs> it's what are you eating the meat with? Is it a load of carbs? Is it uh, potentially? But yeah, I, I don't see there's any unless you're ethically against eating meat. I don't see any reason why you should restrict your meat intake or you can't afford it. Well, I also think nowadays there's there's so much that you can do by cooking, you know, just vegetables and plant-based stuff that in the past yeah, no, people I agree. didn't know about. You know, now you can have much more... Yeah, but you enjoy meat. Oh, yeah, I love meat. But, you know, I also love getting a bit creative in the kitchen. That, mm. That's one of my passions is cooking. So getting a bit creative and trying new things, trying new recipes mm. that are completely plant-based. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, I made some like sort of uh, butternut squash fritter thing last night. Very nice. Based on Jamie Oliver recipe. Very nice. One of his ads at the moment on YouTube was about making, was he doing a promo thing for Land Rover? He made an onion baggie slash butternut squash burger thing. Mm. It's tasty. Last time I went home, I made um, bean burgers with my mum. So black beans, chickpeas, paprika, garlic, bit of ginger, put them in a bowl, mash them together, and then just make them into burgers. Lovely. Tasty? Yeah, fantastic. Do you miss the meat? No, it's not really, no, because yeah. they're quite substantial. I think, yeah, but those, and, I think those type of burgers are okay, because they're, they're, they're not trying to be something they're not. They're a bean burger, or this is like a butternut squash slash onion baggy type. It is what it is, and you know what it is. Yeah, it's not trying to be a meat product. Equivalent, yeah. Because those meat products, or those plant-based products that try and replicate or try and pretend that they're meat products, they, something about them I don't get. Don't agree with you. No, no. <coughs> I don't get them. Why is that? Because like, if you're so against eating meat for ethical reasons, why do you want to replicate something? Yeah. yeah which like bleeds and tries to mimic the taste of beef what's the point of that oh, because at the end of the day you can still like meat but be ethically opposed to the farming industry so it allows you to mm. eat meat whilst also not supporting those practices yeah. Well, I guess it is a bit of smoke and mirror, as you, mm. as you said. I know. It's a tough one. Because, you know, it, the meat, the farming industry does contribute to greenhouse gases, etc. But I don't, know if the, I don't know if the people eating who are anti-meat, I think it's more about to do with the, the killing of the animals rather than the environmental impact. Yeah. My mum's like that. We'll be sat at home, and she's, you know, quite happy to eat her burgers, her steaks. But as soon as she sees a lion killing an antelope on TV, oh yeah. my god, what are they doing? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Anyway. So you know, I think it's probably time to have a uh, a work conversation. Work conversation. Okay. So where do we? Where does that lead into work? Well, I was going to, because we talked, I just mentioned YouTube there. Yeah. Social media. I was just writing down a couple of bits that. Well, this is your resolution last year. 
Yeah, true. There you go. That's a big one. And you've completed it. I mean, last December, I deleted my Facebook account. And I think the week after, I deleted my Instagram. So have, I've been off them for a year now, Facebook and Instagram. Which has dramatically increased my use of LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> and YouTube as a result. And Spotify. What was it, 14,000 minutes you listened to this year? Spotify is not, a, you don't scroll and... No, I know, but it's, a, it's another distraction of sorts, music. It's probably increased your usage. What did I think? Oh yeah, my... Anyone else, Spotify, yeah, should go onto their desktop, log in and go onto 2018 wrap-up of Spotify. It's cool, the stats, the cool. analytics. I had 12,400 minutes of listening for the year. And it which was what your... Is, is that, that's eight or nine days, full and, days. And it was rock pop was your... No, modern rock. Modern rock. Was my most listened to genre. You should do it. Um... But yes, been off social, been off LinkedIn, or been off Instagram. Why did you do because um, it was, I didn't feel like either of those two platforms were adding anything to me personally in terms of the, the time I was putting into it. It wasn't giving me, giving me anything back other yeah. than wasting time. And yeah. you could say the same about LinkedIn, but yeah, we're, we're in, I'm in a game now where I have to see what my network is doing, what's, what, what are people talking about, what in the in whatever industry I'm I'm concerned with uh, I want to see what potential what industry leaders are doing what they're talking about what businesses are doing so that's sort of my channel for getting that information YouTube is a waste of time in general but it's like watching TV I suppose but you're off Facebook or you're off Instagram I've never had Instagram never had, yeah. never had it yeah but Facebook, it's been something that I've been discussing, getting off with you for three months now. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think, you know, I looked at my stats. If, if you go on your battery performance on your iPhone, you can mm. look at your battery uses in the last 10 days. I think I spent like 11 hours in 10 days scrolling through Facebook. And I don't remember anything I scrolled through. It's just, <laughs> oh, look at that. He's just throwing a duck off yeah. the bridge into the water. Yeah. I mean, oh, wow, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> you just spend time scrolling through things that, that again like you said don't add things you yeah. know uh, what I used to use it for is making groups with my mates mm. events um, going out doing yeah. stuff but now you can do all of that in WhatsApp and the thing is like if someone wants you at an event they'll find a way to get they'll find yeah, exactly yeah be it WhatsApp text message or even phone call carrier pigeon anything but like and there's like we've so many bloody things to be going to. It's, it's no harm, and if you're if you're on Facebook, I'm sure there's probably twenty events at any time that you could be yeah, going to. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, you'll be off that for 2019. Quite potentially, yeah. Yeah. I think Facebook definitely for your age group, 24 to 30. Everyone's on Instagram. Mm. Everyone's on Instagram. Instagram's and now even the younger generation are snap is Snapchat. Instant, yeah, I know, but I, I think Instagram's almost combined Facebook, Snapchat, oh, everything, yeah. and LinkedIn into one. Because you know you've got influencers. You know their their whole business now is Instagram. You know they're earning hundreds of thousands of pounds a year with their followers. Um, 
you know, so it is a combination of Facebook, yes, and LinkedIn and Snapchat. Yeah, the influencer world. Yeah, you could be an influencer next year. Well, I've got fourteen hundred followers on uh, LinkedIn. Pretty powerful stats. Are you going to do some body transformation pics on, <laughs> on LinkedIn? Are you? Body and hair transformation. Yeah, <laughs> hair transplantation. <laughs> oh. Your influencing business could fund your hair transplant. It could. First transform the body, now then yeah. transform the hair. You made me feel really good about myself at the end of uh, 2018. <laughs> Move your hair, your chest hair, to your head hair. That's not what I do. <laughs> enough of me. No, enough of social media, yeah. Look, there's a lot of discussion out there about social media. And look, it's good in a lot of ways. If, you, if I had a small business or a big business for that matter you have to be on it I think do you have to be on it? it uh, yes I think small businesses they almost have to thrive uh, um, small businesses I think you've got to be on Facebook because you want whoever your target audience mm. is you know my grandma is on Facebook mm. she shares bloody everything my mum's mm. on Facebook she shares bloody everything mm. and all of her mates start commenting oh my god oh my god so for local hair salons and nail manicure places I don't know what you call those beauticians Be- yeah beauticians th- that's how they get business but then yeah. I think for big businesses like SAP Red Bull all of that lot yeah. you know I think it, you've got to be active and present on places like YouTube and LinkedIn mm. but you have to be given a good interesting content when oh, you no, get to that. and you know, a lot of stuff that comes out from big businesses isn't that interesting you know no it's bland it's mass media it's, it's vanilla yeah and it doesn't engage people yeah so that's the problem whereas when you're the small to medium sized business you can actually make it personal and engaging and interesting to your audience. Right, Volvo did a um a cool advert probably about a year ago with Jean Claude. No, 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 no. With um, remember the one with the and he was doing the splits. Jean Claude Van Damme. Oh uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That went that that went viral. That was a good advert. I remember I was I was I lived on a street called Hawthorne Terrace in Durham. I remember I was walking back from my lectures one day and there was a bloke <laughs> stood on top of two of his mates' cars doing doing the splits whilst drinking a whole bottle of red wine. <laughs> trying to replicate the yeah, ad literally literally <laughs> you know for, for me uh, another that, that I still remember now yeah. nothing to do with what they're trying to sell which is a car Volvo mm. they got a skier called uh, Candy Thovex something like that and he was skiing no snow just through woods and fields doing backflips and it, you know it was interesting it was engaging nothing to do with the car mm. and I remember that but if you look at some of the other adverts for yeah bigger companies I've got no idea what they're all about yeah and I, and they don't stand up well they're all just look, neither of us are marketing experts no. but those sort of ads it's just about getting the brand name out there and it's just keeping it on the screen keeping it on the screen to keep it relevant in, yeah because we, look, we're looking at so, like 5,000 images or something every day adverts I'd probably do that just on Facebook. <laughs> In a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So that's social media. We'll, we'll revisit social media because everyone's talking about it at the moment. And I think like we'll look back in probably five years because I remember when did, I was on Instagram. I've been on Facebook for nine years now. Yeah. What did, for nine... I was on it probably since 2003. Started in the year... No, no. Couldn't. Mm. When did I... No. Yeah, no, I've been on for nine years. 2008, 2009. 2003, sure. It started, it only started in 2006. I think 2006, seven. Bebo. Were you ever on Bebo? Yeah. Those photos are long, long last. <laughs> yeah. Right. Social media. Done. Back to work. Because this is where we are. Uh, it's a business-themed podcast of sorts. Um, we've had an interesting year. I suppose I've been in this role for six months now. You've been in it for the year. What have you learned? What's been a couple of the highlights, lowlights, most interesting engagements you've had, uh, successes, failures, without naming names. You know, At this stage, none of us can name names. This point of the year, but I'm sure you've had some stories of battles, wins, losses. Yep. Any any of them stick out? Well, you know, let's let's contextualise a little bit. Yeah. So I've been with SAP now for coming up to three years. Uh, so I joined in 2016. Uh, as part of what we call the SAP Sales Academy, which is a you know nine-month global program where you go through classroom-based training, then field rotations where you're working with some of the uh, account managers and account teams, um, obviously with uh, with an array of customers, mm. um, and then when you come out, you graduate as such, mm. and you transition into the field. So you know, I this has been my first full nine month stint as a account executive your breakout year my, my yeah my breakout year um you know it, straight out of the academy into the first team yeah you know it, it, it's definitely been interesting i can definitely say that um there's been successes there's been failures there's been you know uh, laughs jokes mm. fun tears you know mm. there's been every emotion under the sun and I've learned so much from this year yeah um, and you know as you mentioned there's been some really interesting examples working with customers you know I've worked with bakeries publishers media businesses you know transportation um, solution providers that are also doing similar things to what SAP do mm. and you know i I guess for me, what I didn't realise when I first started was the importance, and something Darren said in our last episode, was understanding your business. Mm. So we went in and I took you know, my uh, management in to go and meet with the CEO of one of my customers six months ago. Uh, meeting was going well, you know, we were hoping you know, they were gonna become a, a customer that day or soon after. Um, and the CEO said to us, um, have any of you been to one of my factories? And for me, it's not even something that I thought of, you know, I built a really good relationship with his team, I understood the business, mm. but when he said that, I thought, you know, no, no, I haven't. And he said, you know, I truly am a live business, we're producing products which are shipped around 
the country on a daily basis and you know we're pumping out millions and millions and millions of products on a weekly basis um, I really want you to go and experience that so you know firsthand what the actual challenges we are dealing with on mm. a daily basis and I think for me that was an eye-opening conversation mm. and something that I'm definitely going to be doing going forwards is going in and spending a day working with my customers so mm. you know if I was going to go and work with a British Gas or something like that in the future, I'd want to yeah. be out on the road with their engineers, finding out what they struggle with on a daily basis, then go out with you know Pauline and warehousing to figure out what she struggles with on a daily basis. Mm. And, you know, that's been one of the most important things to me. You know, especially being young, I'm 24, speaking to business leaders who've been doing this for 30, 40 years. First thing they think is, you know, you're just a young whippersnapper. You don't deserve the mm. right to sit at the table with me. And I think if you can go in and say, look, you know, I am young, I don't have all the answers. My mm. job is to get the people that can give you the answers, but I want to learn as much as I can about your business and become a specialist in your business so that I can advise you with SAP as best I can. Mm. Yeah, that's probably been one of my key takeaways and learning points from this year. Yeah. Great experience. Great piece to be able to take with you next year. 100%. Yeah. Um, difficult to do all at the same time, you know depending on the business you know you're talking about a manufacturing business there you know if it was a a digital business how would you do that what's the equivalent to doing that in a digital business you know that is just a couple of guys in you know a floor a we work room we work space would you mean by digital as in like a virtual business yeah a business that is sells stuff online that sells APIs that sell software that sells any digital service rather well, than, still rather than have producing a, something physical they're still going to have a supply chain of sorts yeah so understand what that looks like understand mm. how they get their product their digital product from creation mm. to publication to mm. customer what that journey looks like what are the challenges what are the hurdles what are the roadblocks that mm. they have to deal with on a daily basis and then obviously you need to speak to the customers yeah about what it is that frustrates them in their purchasing decision yeah completely agree and that's the the importance of all the the cx stuff that sap is talking about now the front office stuff you know how do how do SAP's customers engage with their customers so you know I'm looking across here at a Hilton Hotel how do Hilton Hotel how do they attract guests you know what experience does uh, me or you trying to book a room in a Hilton Hotel have I don't know if Hilton are an SAP customer but well, I've got a good example of that so we went to the SAP user group event, which is held in Birmingham um, back in, what was it, the 11th of November? Yeah. Something like that. Um, this time last month. This time last month. Um, an we interesting experience. We, we, said, we uh, sent a couple of lemur casts. We did. Posted we a did couple of those. With Xavi, our friend from Back Office Associates. We did. I remember yeah. that. Um, but if I think back to that, not to name any names of hotel brands, I was trying to book a room yeah. at a hotel. I had to call up, got put on hold for 15 minutes, yeah. got through to someone. They said, you've come through to the wrong, um, what was it, wrong team. Yeah. 
Um, they said, you know, you can book online. Trying to book online, says no rooms available. Called up again, yeah. on hold. You come to the wrong team. Eventually got through to someone. Yeah, we've got tons of rooms available. <laughs> so that that was a painful, painful, painful process for me. Yeah. And if you look at Airbnb, um, me and four of my mates are going to Copenhagen in January. Mm. We booked our flights, booked our Airbnbs, everything done in half an hour. A few clicks. A few clicks. Yeah. Seamless. Yeah, I think the hotel industry definitely, and look, especially when well, you weren't spending your own money going on that business trip, but if you were, you'd... Well, it's painful. Yeah, yeah. Airbnb has definitely disrupted that game big time. But, you know, again, goes back to putting the customer first, doesn't it? What's It's all well and good having a great brand, all the glossy marketing material, but if your customers are not front and centre of all that it's not going to work is it yeah so that's yeah you've had that was a good a good interesting uh, experience you had with that particular engagement which we can't name but it'll stand to you they'll know who it is they'll know who it is of course they will uh, probably from my side without naming names the most interesting one was uh, so a similar sort of business in a way actually uh, a manufacturing business consumer product tea and coffee brand that wanted a complete digital transformation of their business they were going from Excel to or go Excel and paper and whiteboards to run their factories to a complete system like from from customer facing stuff their customers being the large supermarket chains and individual consumers who yeah. can buy online. Right from that, back to finance systems and manufacturing warehouse systems, transport, logistics, uh, everything. They wanted absolutely everything in this complete digital transformation project. And they said they wanted to go a specific route down a cloud route, simple processes, you know, standardized processes. We're not different to most businesses. We want you to lead us down what your best practices are uh, how, you tell us what processes we should have rather than us rather than them telling us and that was the message we got and we we're like perfect okay we went in and as the conversation went on it was very ap apparent that whilst they said they wanted to be shown how to run their business they weren't ready to embrace the processes that we were suggesting and when we showed them what a vanilla process looks like in SAP world that didn't match up to what they were doing on the ground they couldn't get their heads around how we could change from doing what we're doing today to move on to an SAP system and and that told me and the rest of the team that these guys weren't ready for that's underpins the cloud philosophy if you're going if you want to help host all your IT systems in the cloud, you have to buy into the standard processes. But these guys thought they were special, couldn't move away from how they did their day-to-day -day job and weren't ready to move. And that's you know, something that we should have asked more questions around, but we took it at face value that, yeah, look, we heard from them. Oh yeah, we're, we want just, you tell us how we should do this process tell us how we should do that rather than actually digging under the surface a bit more and again I think this is a interesting topic obviously cloud 
fit to standard. You do have to make some sacrifices. Mm. But you know, I was I, I was working again with one of my compromises. Yeah, yeah. But I, um, I wouldn't even say compromises. Um, I was working with one of my big accounts, um, and the CIO recently went and spoke with the CFO and finance director of another one of my accounts. Um, and you know they were going on about oh but you know we're we're a media business uh, we've got really particular functionality requirements and he said you know I'm in a completely different industry but when you take the skin off it the processes that we do are exactly the same order to cash it's going to mm. work in SAP mm. it's going to get the job done yeah you need to adopt fit to standard um, and, and allow fit you- to standard just for people because we know people have a, an issue with jargon and yeah. acronyms and fit to standard doesn't mean a lot to anybody outside of SAP and yeah. so what fit to standard as a concept in SAP means if you subscribe to SAP's cloud software you subscribe to standard standardized processes that you can't change or deviate from you're fitting to a standard template which allows you to a adopt the process quickly and allows SAP to innovate and develop that process without, because if you go off and customize that process, SAP can't innovate upgrade. and upgrade quickly. So <coughs> just to clarify that. So Charlie, continue. Yeah, so. They said they're in a different business. They're, they were special, we're in media. So, 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 so yeah. media, baking, transportation, let's take a standard process, order to cash. Yeah. Once you take the the skin off it mm. it might be slightly different between media yeah. and baking it's the same process yeah and, and well in terms of the back office yeah, definitely yeah, yeah like yeah. It's, a it's media business work. won't have manufacturing but they'll have invoices coming in that they have to pay they'll have sales orders going and out that they it. have to collect cash for and i think this is one of the challenging thing about our jobs is working with people who've been doing things in such a particular way for such a long time mm that now the idea of moving away from that and mm. adopting... Scary, change is scary. People hate change. Yeah, yeah. People and, hate change. And adopting a standard, mm. this is how it's going to run in the system, mm. we can't change it. You know, but people yeah, it are, are fearful because, that's definitely what I've seen, because people have built their careers around being a, an expert in their particular area. Be it finance, be it uh, manufacturing, logistics, distribution... Becoming an expert in that field mean in your particular business means that you understand all your processes to keep this business ticking over, keep your operation running smoothly within your world. Yep. If SAP is coming in here saying, yeah, that's all well and good, but now adopt these processes, standard processes, they'll do this, the outputs will be the same, it's just doing it in a different way. That's scary to people because they say, oh, God, where do I fit? What value do I add if we're just adopting these templated processes? What's the point of having me? So that it's a combination of change. But that's where real innovation happens, though, because then you know these people are then put into roles where they still get to practice what they know and they trust and they understand and you know what they built their careers on. But then you learn new skills, you innovate, you you know, your time is invested in other areas in the business which drive real change for organisations. And that's the message that we're getting out there. Yeah. Where can you add value in your particular portion of the value chain of your business, which invariably isn't 
doing the day-to-day -day stuff you know that stuff should take care of itself whatever process you're dealing with and how can you actually create more value for the business by looking at other ways of doing business new business models new innovations and so on because you have huge amounts of business knowledge but all your time and effort is spent keeping the lights on yeah 2019 we've been bringing that message out to the country as well always always Charlie. going global but you know what do you think Charlie? we're coming up to an hour will we wrap it up was there anything in particular you'd like to get off your chest no I think that yeah, you know I think I think we've done a um, what are the plans for Christmas plans for Christmas so you're going to be at home in fleet mm. Uh, with my mother Maya and my father Chris uh, and my sister Megan um, and then 12 dogs lovely so that'd be interesting yourself yeah I'm going home to Dublin we'll be probably staying in my parents and my in-laws because our house has been rented out from the 1st of January so uh, we've got literally oh, like 10 days left until like 11 days left until Christmas yeah have you started your shopping yet haven't bought a thing you haven't no okay and you were bragging earlier how you did it all about three months ago yeah first time ever normally I forget Christmas you normally forget Christmas yeah I'm called the Grinch in my family nice uh, well this year you've obviously made up for it I have I have I have not done anything yet. Well, I think it's largely also the influence of my girlfriend. I feel like the amount that we've spent on family, because my family is relatively small. I normally get it for my mum, dad, and my sister. She gets it for grandparents, cousins, aunties, uncles, oh, nephews, nieces, yeah, pets. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you have to take a mortgage out, I think, in uh, January to repay all of these debts. Nice, nice, yeah. I've had secret Santas, you not do that? Well, I'm doing it for our team. Yeah. Have you organised that yet? Uh, it's in process. Good man. For Whoever has me, uh, a toupee would be nice. <laughs> Definitely getting a comedy wig for Charlie. Yeah, 100%. Can't wait. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Um, I think we'll wrap it up there. We will hopefully get in another episode before the year is out um, with our special guest, our last special guest of the year won't give anything away until we have him on or her on we have an idea who it's going to be but we're trying to work out the timetables and the budget and the, and the budget but until then I hope you've enjoyed this episode just myself and Charlie having a chat for the last hour and we will speak to you either hopefully before the year is out if not in the new year happy new year potentially potentially okay Thanks, guys. Speak to you soon.